Is an educated workforce the key to improving safety? It could be in China and around the world. This is Process Safety with Trish and Tracy. Process Safety with Trish and Tracy is a production of Chemical Processing. Chemical Processing focuses on serving engineers, designing, and operating plants in the chemical industry. Welcome to this edition of Process Safety with Trish and Tracy, the podcast that aims to share insights from current incidents to help avoid future events. I'm Tracy Purdom, Senior Digital Editor with Chemical Processing, and I'm joined by Trish Karen, the Director of the Institution of Chemical Engineers Safety Center. iChemi is based in the UK and Australia, but its reach is global. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Trish. Thanks, Tracy. Wonderful to be here. Well, today I want to talk about China. It seems like every time you turn on the news, open the paper, you hear about another catastrophic event based there. Uh, The most recent is the explosion that leveled a gas plant in Yuma City, claiming 15 lives and injuring dozens of others. And earlier this year, a massive explosion at a Chinese pesticide plant that killed over 60 people. What is going on over there? Are there more safety-related accidents or, or just seems that way? I think that's a really difficult question to answer and and the reason being I think we're seeing a lot more transparency in China now so it's not necessarily that they didn't have accidents before I think it's more we perhaps didn't hear about them and certainly didn't hear about them as as fast as we do now or as frequently as we do and I think part of that comes down to some of the influence of social media that we now see Um, particularly we're seeing more and more communities around the world utilizing the social media apps that are used in China as opposed to China utilising the ones from the rest of the world. So we're starting to see different reports coming out more and more often now. That makes it a bit harder um, for potentially some of them to be suppressed if that was the original intent. So whether there is more, I'm not sure. I definitely think we're hearing about a lot more. And it's a concern when we hear about them because they're really quite significant incidents that that we're seeing. We also need to remember, though, that China is a country that is rapidly growing and expanding, and they have been for a number of years. And it is possible that there is far more plants available there now, uh, far more facilities being built, and therefore, potentially, if we were to look at a rate of incident, more likely if they haven't uh, resolved some of their original safety issues that they may have been having. So I think it could be a, a combination of, of a number of things. I don't think it's one straightforward answer to, you know, are they having more at the moment? Well, that makes absolute sense. I mean, social media has impacted our lives with every uh, news angle. So we do hear things uh, more frequently, and and it does make it feel like uh, we're in a world that, that is bombarded with bad incidents. So that does make sense. Um, in terms of, of regulations for these, these chemical plants over there, who is regulating them? Well, they do have a regulatory regime in China, obviously. Um, they've got the regulation on the safe management of hazardous chemicals uh, that they established back in 2011. So they do have regulations in place. They do have a regulatory authority that does uh, monitor and deal with these things as well. And they also have a particular policy where they look at trying to bring together a lot of the facilities to try and deal with some of the issues of decentralised chemical plants and and some of the uh, safety and environmental impacts they could have. So they do have the chemical industry park policy, uh, which aims to create integrated facilities. So there's a number of different uh, 
different legislation that they do have to try and deal with some of those things. I think one of the challenges we see though is how well some of that legislation is being applied um, and how effectively some of these policies are actually being rolled out in, in the field, so to speak. And I think one of the, the challenges that they have is it is an enormous country with a very, very significant population. And there are people all over the country that are trying to create work for themselves, so trying to create a business, and people that are, that are needing employment and wanting to work in a business. And I think that has created the opportunity for plants to start to pop up all over the place. Uh, I mean, famously, we did also see the situation following the uh, Tianjin explosion several years ago where the head of the safety regulator was actually um, sacked as a result of, of that particular incident and in the end was convicted to a 15-year prison sentence um, for taking bribes over that time. So I think there's also some other challenges that they perhaps have in this space of, of maintaining regulation and maintaining those standards. And, and as I was reading about all of these events, and, and you're touching on it right now, it, it seems like a, you know, the, the regulations are there. They're trying to do the right thing, but these folks are fearful um, exactly for, for, you know, these punishments that they're going to get. So maybe they're sweeping these things um, under the rug, and, and uh, some of these catastrophic events that are happening have happened after smaller incidents were cited. Um, so it, it seems like they're trying to... to push it under the rug, and then it just it, it, it expands from there. What are your thoughts on that? Is it something where um, can you expound on, on what you were exactly talking about? The, the folks there may not be following the regulations as they should be. Yeah, I think there's a challenge as well with some of the standard things that we have challenges of in other countries as well. So everywhere I go around the world, I constantly hear, questions or comments about competency and the challenge in developing, establishing and maintaining competence of our people to do the tasks we need them to do safely. I don't think China's any different in that space. I think they too have some competency related issues just like we do in, in the USA, in Australia, in the UK, all around the world. Um, and I think that has an impact on it as well because if we don't have people that are competent to do the task, then we're not going to get the task that we want done. We're not going to get the outcome we're looking for. And so I think that is one of the, um, one of the challenges as well. I'm not, I think there may be some instances, as there are in, in many countries, of people not doing the right thing. But I think there's probably far more instances of people not knowing how to do the right thing rather than deliberately doing the wrong thing. And, and so I think there needs to be a lot more work in that. There is a lot of work in the universities, in some of the universities around China, in terms of improving process safety education. So they're really trying to make efforts and strive to do these improvements, which certainly does need to be commended. But we still have, I think, a fundamental competency issue. Some of that may come down to um, simple issues such as literacy and numeracy among some of the workforce. Do they actually understand if they have procedures, what their procedures are, are telling them. Are they written in a way that they can follow and understand what they need to do? Are they written in a way that actually is correct and defines how they need to do things? Are they dealing with things like um, compatibility of materials in, and chemical storage? What sort of standards have they got applied in some of their design? Do, are they implementing 
inherently safer design principles when they build things. So if you've got two chemicals that should never be mixed together, do they have incompatible connections so you can't accidentally mix them together or are they just all the same hose? Now these are some of the things that we've been practicing for a very long time. Admittedly, around the rest of the world, we also don't always get them right either. Uh, so it, it's not an issue of, you know, China's having all these incidents and the rest of the world's all fine. Everybody is still having incidents and we all need to continue to strive to really work to build that competency to make sure we have the right equipment in place and to, to drive that inherently safer design concept so that we actually make it much, much harder to make a mistake. It becomes easier to stumble into getting it right, which is, I think, where we need to be heading. And I think those are important distinctions that you've made, and, and certainly um, we can learn from those. And, and you mentioning that, that these incidents happen all over the world, um, I was just reading about something in the U.S. where uh, an operator came in and put the wrong chemical in. Um, there wasn't a fail-safe there, and, and so it happens all over. So now having these types of incidents happen in China, um, because they're so catastrophic and because the, the injuries and the death tolls are so high, it does get your attention, but it, it is a way for us to educate and, and help other plants educate themselves on the things that they should be doing correctly. Um, and you did mention the 2015 Tianjin chemical warehouse explosion that claimed what nearly 200 lives. Um, mm. Are there any other takeaways from that incident? I know there's still you know, investigating these early 2019 incidents, but are, are there takeaways from that 2015 incident that we can, we can learn from better safety practices? And before you answer that, I do want to acknowledge our sponsor. This podcast is supported by the Chemical Processing Process Safety Webinar Series. Technical knowledge and understanding of hazards and risks associated with operations are the keys to keeping workers and the environment safe. To learn more, visit chemicalprocessing.com slash webinars. All right, Trish, you were saying? Look, I definitely think there are. Two things that really stick out for me in that particular incident was the manifest quantities that they had. So the, the sheer volume of chemicals they had that were over and above what they were allowed to be storing at the time. So they, they, were, they did have more chemicals than they should have had in their facility at the time. Now, we have manifest quantities for a reason. They're not there to inhibit business. They're not there to stop us trying to do our job. They're actually there to reduce the overall risk loading. As Trevor Kletz once said, what you don't have can't leak. If we don't have a larger volume of something, then the impact of that substance having an incident for us will be smaller if we have a smaller volume of it. So the manifest quantity requirements are really important and need to be followed. These are requirements we have for very specific safety reasons. On the flip side of that is also the, I mentioned earlier, the compatibility of material, what we actually physically have and where. And something that did come out of the Tianjin one very, very clearly was no one necessarily knew what was there. Certainly the firefighters didn't. Um, and they were fighting fires. And there was all sorts of different chemicals there. Some of them were water reactive and they were pouring water on it because there was a fire. So without knowing what is contained there, and again, that's back to your manifest quantity and your manifest listing, then how can we expect our emergency responders to adequately respond to that? And tragically, we saw something similar in West Texas as well. 
if we don't know what we're tackling when we get there, mm-hmm. we can't tackle it effectively and we run the risk of people dying and that is precisely what we saw in that incident. And so that compatibility issue, the correct storage of equipment, uh, so of, uh, of chemicals, making sure we've got the right equipment to fight the fires or the incidents if we have them, and following those manifest quantities, I think, is, is absolutely critical. Um, and they really stood out for me as some of the key issues that came out of Tianjin. And again, they're not unique to China either. Uh, I have seen issues of manifest quantity not being followed or incompatibility of material storage all over the place, particularly where we talk about waste disposal facilities, uh, so where chemical waste are being disposed of and at times we don't even know what's being received into that facility because what's potentially being declared is not actually accurate as well. So there's a range of different issues that are occurring in that, that area. That coupled with the town planning uh, aspects of it and land use planning. Land use planning is a massive issue all over the world because we have a situation where people want to be close to where they work and so we might build a facility in the middle of nowhere and slowly people will start to live around it and then we'll start to see things like kindergartens and schools and nursing homes and hospitals all pop up in the vicinity of facilities that have quite a significant risk profile associated with them. And so we end up in a situation where effectively the facility might be squeezed out because of the development of of, um, the city around it. Um, Or the situation where that doesn't occur, everything works in harmony until there's an incident and then we have the need for shelter in place, then we have the injury or fatality of members of the community. and the community tolerates that far less than injury or fidelity of a worker, and that, that's a sad fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once, once we harm a community member, there is no going back at this point. Uh, and so I think the town planning also was a significant issue. I mean, there were apartment complexes relatively close to the Tianjin uh, facility. The Tianjin explosion also spread for miles. So some of the buildings that were impacted were certainly several miles away. But nonetheless, people were left without homes uh, because they were unable to live there. It was uninhabitable after the explosion had ripped through that area. So that's also, I think, a particular area of, of concern. And it's, it's not only a, an issue for new facilities around where we site our future chemical plants and then try to have some sort of town planning approach so that we can try and contain a, a sort of buffer around them uh, for everybody's safety. But for our older facilities around the world as well, we have an issue where, as I said, there's encroachment of the city and the people onto the facility. And either way, it still results in the same outcome. We still have people in danger, and that is something that we need to try and and address. But we're now down to people's rights to live where they want to live uh, and the facility's right to maintain its operation because it was there first. It's a no-win argument, that one. And I was amazed watching the footage from the Tianjin um, and, and eyewitness footage of being so close to those explosions. They were in their apartments in these explosions. It was just very shocking to see how close they were. And that's something that, that as you say, it's, it's a no-win because people uh, have the right to live where they want to live. And, and how do you deal with that? Do you think in the future um, there will be 
a better buffer zone, or is it just something that we have to plan around continuously? Sadly, I think it's going to be something we have to plan around continuously because people don't want to give up their perceived right that they were there first, either either side of the equation. Um, I think what we need to have is better risk education in society so they can actually understand um, their own risk and, and actually understand that there is no such thing as zero risk in, in life. There is always a risk. It's around whether it's a tolerable risk to you or not. And I think we need better education in that space to try and address some of these issues. But sadly, I don't think we're going to get to the situation where we have uh, improved land use planning because the fact is we're stuck with a lot of it right, right now. And I can think of, of several facilities not that far from where I live where people are wanting to build significant size apartment complexes right beside fuel terminals um, and then challenging when they don't get the planning approval for it because the developer should have the right to build it because they bought that block of land. But the fact is there's a reason why the government's trying to stop them building multi-storey apartment complexes right beside a fuel terminal and it's for the safety of the residents. And sadly, we've got a lot of fuel terminals very close in, in, in a city because when they were built, that actually used to be quite a way out from the inner city. But you know, the, the concept of distance has changed. Well, you've brought up a lot of interesting points and a lot of interesting insight. Obviously, as you stated, uh, safety-related issues aren't only a problem in China. Uh, unfortunate events happen all over the world, and we will be here to discuss them. On behalf of Trish Kieran, this is Tracy Purdom with Chemical Processing, and this is Process Safety with Trish and Tracy. Thanks, stay safe.